0: Six minutes into the third period, Penguins lead the Senators 3-1. Gensel, the most recent goal in, uh, or pardon me, Gensel scored late in the second, his 19th. Kachuk with a quick reply for Ottawa. His 17th, so 3-1 Penguins after uh, into the third against the Senators. Avalanche at the Canucks in an hour. Oilers at the Canucks tomorrow night. It's on 6.30, 6 6.30 for the face-off show. And the puck will drop at 8. Oilers practiced today and departed for Vancouver as they have split their two previous meetings against the Canucks this season, both of them at Rogers Place. Oilers have won five straight and uh, taking on some teams in the... Well, not just short-term future, even medium-term future who uh, are not necessarily doing great. Vancouver, a 443 points percentage. They play Columbus on Wednesday. Columbus, a 311 points percentage. That is the worst in the NHL. Then they play Chicago next Saturday. Chicago at a 349. They're last in the West. Uh, Then coming out of the bye week, they got Detroit. Detroit's not a bad team. They're 523. Um, I I mean, they're hanging around in the playoff race. Philly, not doing great. Uh, Ottawa, not doing great. Montreal, that's the road trip after uh, after the bye week. So, you know, a chance to bank a few more points, uh, solidify that playoff spot. It's tightened up in the Pacific now. Seattle is in first place. Seattle has the second-best points percentage in the West, behind only Dallas. But in terms of points in the Pacific, Seattle and Vegas both 58, LA 56, and the orders 55. Then it goes to Calgary 51. So the Orders will try to keep rolling tomorrow against a uh, struggling, struggling, struggling Canucks team. Two wins in their last 10. For more on their woes from the Sacaris and Price podcast, Matt Sakaris. Matt, you're on with Reed. How are you doing,
1: Reed? Very well. Uh, good joining you. I uh, gosh, I wish it was under better circumstances for the Vancouver Canucks and their fans. <laughs> I, I feel show here.
0: I feel like we've had a chat of this nature before. Perhaps yeah. this is um, okay. I'm gonna let's flash back. I guess it would have <laughs> been a little over a year ago. They did. They made the coaching change. Right. And you said, look, they're going to have to like win 10 games in a row and then win another 10 games in a row, and then they might have a shot at the playoffs. Oddly enough, they were almost 20 games over 500.
1: Yeah, they almost did that read. I think they won eight in a row and nine of 10 when Boudreaux first took over. There was another six-game winning streak later in the year. So they played nearly 650 hockey under him last year uh and and fell short but gave it their best effort and i mean this year was just buried from the jump i mean opening night in edmonton you you were there i'm sure yep uh, they blow the lead uh they start the season 05 and two uh they set an nhl record by blowing multi-goal leads in the first four games of the year losing them all and then they just got you know too far behind the eight ball to stay in touch with the western conference playoff chase
0: Okay, so let's start with Boudreaux before we dive deeper into some of the other stuff from the last two weeks or so. Uh, Boudreaux, I, I, I've, I've heard the clip. Um, he was like super emotional today, at least for an NHL coach. What 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 is going on there?
1: Reid, the way he's been treated by the owner, Francesco Aquilini, and the president of Hockey Operations, Jim Rutherford, came to a head today. They made him cry. As one of our listeners said, the Canucks broke Bruce. He got asked if he will savor these back-to-back games tonight against Colorado, tomorrow against the Oilers. And he, you know, made mention of the fact that he'd have to be an idiot, you know, living under a a rock to not know what's going on. Um, And then as he attempted to further answer the question, is his his voice sort of trailed off and got soft and you could see some emotion welling. And uh, then he got asked a, a follow up question and 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 basically politely declined and sort of eked out, I'll talk about it later. So um, the story here in Vancouver is, how can you do this to the man? Like what kind of, not just what kind of an organization are you, but what kind of people are you? Aquilini, Rutherford, like shame on you for treating a guy this way, uh, it's been long known here he's not the choice of coach of, of Rutherford and general manager Patrick Alvin. So then fire him, move on him, you have the agency, get your guy in here, make Rick talk at the coach earlier, or, or hand over the keys to interim Mike Yo. he's done that before Mike in Minnesota, ironically after Boudreaux. Um, or I shouldn't say uh, I forget if he was Minnesota and Philadelphia, but yo's know, been an interim coach before. Heck, they even have Jeremy Carlton down on the farm, so they have options for an interim coach. Uh, so yeah, I mean they they've let it get to the point where everybody knows Rick Talkett is coming in here as soon as Monday to be the head coach, and um, they're 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 letting Boudreaux twist in the wind here. This is the longest dead coach walking that I think I've ever covered. And uh, today it took a very dark and a, and a, and a very sad turn. Um, you know, this was completely unnecessary. Uh, it was humiliating, it was cruel. So there are a lot of people asking tough questions about the Vancouver Canucks today and, and whether this is an organization they want to they support going forward.
0: Yeah, well, uh, and you know, I I covered some dark times here with uh, with the Oilers when fans said, you you know, why should I spend my money? Where's the light at the end of the tunnel? Like, does it is? And again, sometimes with fans, you know what it's like. It it can be one extreme or the other, but (laughs) you you know, obviously, a couple disappointed. Like, is it you know, is there light at the end of the tunnel? What's going on?
1: Yeah. It's hard to see that light right now, Reid. You know, I'll give you the old cliche line, you know, if there is light, it might be the train, right? Right. Coming at you. Uh, And, you know, it's funny because I did Ottawa radio earlier this week, and, and the hosts were joking that, you know, it was not too long ago when the rest of the country was checking in on their market and going, what the hell's going on in Ottawa? Uh, I'm old enough to remember way back in the day when the Oilers couldn't get it together and we'd often go to Edmonton and check in and go, what is going on in Edmonton? You know, fan protests and things like that. Um, so Vancouver's become that market here, the, the, the unwanted stepchild of the Canadian Seven. And uh, is there light at the end of the tunnel? A lot of people, see, that, that's the problem here, Reed. A lot of people say no. You know, a lot of people heard... Jim Rutherford's wide-ranging and press conference on Monday and when these guys after a decade of thinking they can just retool and you know add a piece here or there and then be playoff competitive and mostly failing they still think that like he won't use the word rebuild he won't commit to bringing in draft picks and and uh, younger players they they talked about adding players 26 or younger you know young NHLers and it's like well the good ones tend to be kept by their teams. You know, you're probably going to get problem ch- children. Uh, and re- he talked about guys coming out of their ELCs who maybe haven't worked out in other markets. So, like, fans hear that and they go, we've been trying all this, and it hasn't worked. When are we finally going to go about the tough business of a proper rebuild? Uh, you know, there's a lot of markets, there's a lot of owners, there's a lot of managers who, you know, would give their left arm for the sort of patience and understanding that Vancouver Canucks fans in this market have been willing to give them for a number of years now. You know, say, hey, okay, we understand. You might be bad for a few years, but we'll play the long game. We see the big picture. And the Canucks ownership, and now another Canucks management group, thinks they know better. Thinks they're the smartest guys in the NHL and that they can retool it without any kind of pain. And so they're sitting on these Anchor contracts that are wholly unmovable, uh, which Rutherford admitted on Monday, and yet somehow, some way, he's scoffing at reporters when he when he gets asked about whether you can turn it around in three years, thinking that that was far too long, and he's hoping to do it, quote, in the next year or two. Well. I mean, I don't know what they're—I don't know what they see around the league. I don't know what they're managing towards, but uh, it's certainly not the best practices and the best examples we've seen around the NHL of late.
0: Man, that, 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 that's that's tough because I, I, you know, I, I know Vancouver's a rival team, but I still generally like it when the Canadian teams do well because I just think it adds juice to mm. the regular season games and the potential for a playoff series. I, I mean, the Oilers played the Jets. Granted, there weren't fans, and then we saw a BOA mm. last year, so it, that is that is it's no, and, difficult to hear what you're saying <laughs> yeah, and,
1: and read like here's the thing so they are they have finally crossed the bridge that they are going to have to move out a piece of their core and that is almost certainly going to be Bo Horvat their captain and center iceman who's I think fourth or fifth in the league in goals right now at 30 uh, so they have finally you know got that in their heads um and sort of Reminiscent to Edmonton when they realized we have all these wingers, we got to go out and get a defenseman. And they made it the Taylor Hall for a Larson trade. Um, in in Horvat's case, he's a free agent. They're not going to be able to afford him and fix the defense and all, and, you know, do the other necessary work. So they're effectively trading a rental player here, which I suspect will um, affect the return. Mm-hmm. And um, they're doing so because they, made a snap impulsive decision that they wanted to give JT Miller seven years and $56 million, $8 million per year on the eve of training camp, because they didn't want to uh, have two free agent forwards in Miller and Horvat members of the core heading into the season. And, uh, you know, they re-signed a player who, there have been reports, he doesn't even really want to be here. He just wasn't going to get that contract elsewhere. So as opposed to the captain who's given his everything, To this franchise since he got here nearly a decade ago. So it's just one head scratching decision after another with the Canucks, and they're really losing this market, Uh, particularly here, you know, this year for sure, but this last week it's become even more pronounced.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, appreciate the update. Though th- this has been more of a, a tragedy than a comedy when it comes to this segment. So, I'll end on a different note and even a different sport. Uh, oh, boy. Yes. Something that is a uh, maybe it's a tough story for for the Vancouver market, but I do think it's a it's a positive story for this athlete and maybe for Canadian football. Uh Nathan Rourke, he I know he's leaving, but he is going to Jacksonville. I mean, I think that's a great opportunity. What a spectacular year he had
1: yeah and we lost nathan rourke this week you know like that's just sort of the cherry on top for the vancouver sports fan is the best (laughs) canadian quarterback since russ jackson said goodbye this week uh we had him on the show monday he's a delightful young man what a heck of a football player uh and that he came back from the injury and was able to get into a playoff game and and win a play, yeah. Just uh, he was a fantastic story for anybody who loves the three-down game, and anybody who regards Canadian football players. I was a little surprised, Reed, to see him sign with Jacksonville just because the presence of Trevor Lawrence. But uh, as he explained to us, I think we might have all over. Um, I think we all might have um, misgaged just how much opportunity he was being given to come in and be a number 2 a backup quarterback in the NFL. He told us that Jacksonville was the strongest team in terms of giving him an opportunity to compete to be the backup and you know it makes sense because Jacksonville's not going to go out and draft a quarterback high so it's not like he's going to have to be competing against some young hotshot quarterback. Uh I would suspect he's going to have to compete against some sort of NFL veteran there. Uh, But it seems like other teams maybe just wanted to put him in the quarterback room and sort of say, you know, figure it out. You're going to be competing with a bunch of other quarterbacks. Whereas, you know, in Jacksonville, there's a clear-cut starter. And, you know, Nathan Rourke is hoping that if he wins the backup job, then he's the clear-cut number two. But, you know, the league will miss him. Uh, He, of course, is Victoria-born, Ontario-raised, but he was out in Langley, B.C. when I talked to him this week. And, uh, you know, he said, if ever the day comes where I have to make a return to the CFL, I will certainly be looking at the black and orange of the BC lines. Yes.
0: Yeah, d- decent ace in the hole to have for that, uh, that franchise. Okay, yeah. Matt. Well, um, a cheerier chat next time, I guess. I'll try to make you that <laughs> promise, or maybe I'll just randomly bring you on someday to joke around <laughs> about stuff.
1: <laughs> Read if it gets any lower than he- from here. I'm not sure I ever want to do the program again. So let's hope it's cheerier next time we talk. Thanks for the time, buddy. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. All
0: right. Well, Matt Sikaris uh, from Vancouver, from the Sikaris and Price podcast, the dark times there for the Canucks. Uh, Bruce Boudreau may be coaching his final two games for Vancouver over the weekend. They got Colorado tonight and the Oilers tomorrow. I want to remind you, Victor Quee. The Elks president and CEO will be the guest on the Elks this week. Tomorrow morning, 9.30 a.m. on Ched. My buddy Morley Scott is the host, and Victor Quee is going to reflect on his first year on the job.
2: It's been a really tough year, um, not only from our performance on the field, but uh, um, our revenue and the challenges that we've that we've faced, that all sports and, and all the teams in the league have faced, of, of coming out of post-COVID, of declining ticket sales, and this is a challenge that deeply impacts our business and the future of of, of our organization. So, trying to figure that out, um, so that part has been really really uh a stressful year
0: Aaron Grimes will also be back on the show to handicap the NFL playoff games Grimes spent a year with the Philadelphia Eagles he is picking the Eagles over the Giants but not everybody in his family is
2: I'm actually back on the Eagles um you know wagon I have been for the past couple years now obviously when I when I was first released I hated him like you guys made a terrible decision and then they won the Super Bowl that year so they must have made a good decision <laughs> uh, but they're fun to watch again and you know uh, my daughter she's a huge sports fan and she's like I hate them they fired you and me and my wife always have to remind her like that's true but they also are the only team to give me my childhood dream of playing in the in, in the NFL so I definitely got a weak spot for
0: All right that's a little preview of the Elks this week tomorrow morning 9:30 a.m. right here on 630 Chet Oilers game 6:30 face off show Game at 8, Oilers against the Canucks. Now, yes, the Canucks are doing poorly, but they've, uh, against the Oilers this year, been tough to beat. You go way back to the first game of the season, remember they they led the Oilers 3-0, Edmonton did come back to win it 5-3, and then they beat the Oilers right before Christmas, and head coach Jay Woodcroft knows the Canucks are a tough out.
2: Vancouver Canucks have played us very difficult uh, this year. Um, I think they have a lot of skill in their lineup that make uh, presents a lot of matchup problems and, and issues. And they're a proud team and proud people over there that are going to want to win that game. So w- if we give anything less than 100% and if we don't have 20 people pulling on the same rope, Uh, we're going to find it difficult to win. Um, But I used a couple words there when I was talking about those third periods, the maturity and the professionalism. Um, That is something that we're trying to carry into our day-to-day existence here as we're forging forward through the the NHL season, a level of um, consistency that we're trying to find. In the end, uh, it's about us. It's about growing our game, adding layers to our game and finding ways to find points and that's where we're going to put our emphasis tomorrow against the Vancouver Canuck team that's going to give us everything we can handle.
0: all right that is Jay Woodcroft on taking on the Canucks another positive for the Oilers lately Jack Campbell who was uh, struggling up until about Christmas time he's been the goalie in all five of these victories. Looking pretty good. Woodcroft, some thoughts on Campbell playing better.
2: I would say that I think his resurgence here, especially in the calendar year of 2023, um, has come down to the work that he's put in. Um, you know, obviously, Stewart took the mantle. Uh for a good good chunk of time there, and uh, that allowed Jack to work on some technical things in his game. I'm not going to go into the exactly what he did. Um, he's made uh, some some adjustments there. He's made some adjustments equipment wise. Um, you know he's feeling good about himself. But the reason he's feeling good about himself is because he's earned the right to feel good. I think when you put that type of work in, um, eventually uh, you start seeing results. Uh, um, so you get to see that win streak. I get to see the work that gets put in on day, day-by-day day basis, and I'm happy for them. All right, that
0: is Jay Woodcroft on Jack Campbell. We'll check in with Mooner when we get
2: back.